everyone, and welcome to Election Center 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. This is Angel Talk, Reflections of an Ambitious Angel Mom. My name is Philip Kerrigan. I am the Executive Director of Race for Rowan. We are the organization that helps families suffering through the loss of a child with funeral cost assistance and emotional support. I am joined by, as always, the ambitious angel mom herself. Say hello to the people, Bryn. Hello, everybody. How are you doing? I'm great. On this last, because we're recording this Monday, yes. on this last sunny day. Our last sunny day. 2020, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> I'm enjoying the sunshine. Yes. And I'm feeling a little political. How? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but not the way people think. We are not going to dive into anything. No, we won't time. go there. We actually got something pretty cool lined up for you today. But before mm-hmm. we do that, let me ask you, Halloween was this weekend. Yeah. How'd you, how'd you guys do? Well, geez. We did great. We just did like a trunk or treat with our family. Mm-hmm. And uh, the kids loved it. Yeah. Did they yeah. still have a good time? Oh, of course. I think it was honestly even better. They just got to run free. Yeah. They had candy galore. Yeah. We had, you know, music playing. So they were just having yeah. a good time. One of the things I really loved, because we did a little, my, you know, my parents are older. So so one of the things we wanted to do was make sure that they were okay. Mm-hmm. So we did like a fun little scavenger hunt in our yard. Oh, that's and fun. So they still got to participate. And then uh, Thomas, the oldest, still had a friend's mm-hmm. house he wanted to go over to. So we went over to that neighborhood and did some trick-or-treating after my parents left. One of the coolest things I thought was that everybody was still trying to do stuff. Yeah, that is nice. We didn't have, you know, a lot, like, in town here like we normally do. A lot of things were were closed. But I did notice that people were, like, getting creative with their their trick-or-treating. Shoots and pulley systems and things sticking out of the ground. It was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Uh I really did like it. Uh, We are coming to you on Tuesday. It is Election Day. Uh, we decided apparently to hop into the political arena, but only as good as we can. Yeah, and we actually <laughs> didn't even plan this out; it just worked out this way. We didn't. It was really weird. Mm-hmm. Such so, it's there's one of those little like serendipitous things that always tend to happen. Yeah. Um, with you know, there's a whole bunch going on today. You're going to hear a whole bunch of chatter in other places. We are going to talk to you about a president. Yes. But about a president who existed like a hundred years ago. Actually, more than a hundred years yeah. ago. Um, we in specifically a speech that this individual gave um, that really I think Bryn you were you were speaking to a podcast guest we're going to have on in the future and it really moved you. Oh yes, so this really wise wise woman that I am personal friends with who she will be on later this month, but she she shared this speech with me mm-hmm. and we're just going to cut to the chase the yeah. man in the arena by Teddy Roosevelt. That's right. Mm-hmm. I'd never heard the speech before. Yeah, and. Um, Man, she moved me, and she told me some really just awesome stuff about life, and she's so insightful, and she's so good with um, reflection and talking about grief. She lost somebody very close to her, so we'll let her share that. But mm-hmm. um, talking to her, and she was sharing this speech with me, and so I wanted to look it up and research it a little more on myself, and yeah. it relates so much to what we go through as grieving parents. Yes. I connected with it that way. That's I mean, awesome. I know that there's so many other ways that it can be interpreted, you know, because obviously this was wrote for our president that, mm-hmm. you know, he gave this speech. So there was obviously a different meaning for him, but it's so relatable in so many different aspects of our mm-hmm. lives. And as a grieving parent, it really hit yeah. home. And I was like, wow, that's so good. I have cool. to talk about this on Angel cool. Talk because I loved it that much. That's awesome. This yeah. speech was written by President Theodore Roosevelt. Theodore Roosevelt um, is, uh, we, usually we do a daily quote, but today mm-hmm. we're going to do his full-on quote. Teddy Roosevelt uh, was our president from 1901 to 1908. 
gonna give you a little background on Teddy Roosevelt, and then Bryn, you'll come in and give us a little background on this actual speech, and then we'll read it, mm-hmm. and then we'll talk about how it even connects. But to give you a little background on Teddy Roosevelt, um, he was born on October twenty seventh, eighteen fifty eight, to a fairly wealthy family in New York. Uh, but he always had a sense of like helping others and 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 public service. Uh, he grew up as a Republican, and uh, full disclosure, he's my favorite one. <laughs> I really like him too, especially after I've been researching about him. I'm like, he seems like a really great yeah. president. He in is. Person. I know he is on Mount Rushmore, so that mm-hmm. tells you how important his his time was as president of the United States. Uh, he attended Harvard and Columbia. He started politics in 1882. He was the governor of New York for a while. Wow. And then he became vice president in nine, 1901. He quickly became president because William McKinley, who was the president who nominated him, was shot and killed in September of 1901. And he was sort of this... The funny thing about it was the Republicans didn't even really want him to be president. Mm-hmm. They only accepted him as the nominee because they were like, well, he's going to get some votes for us in New York. But they didn't like his brand of politics. And then you would soon find out why, because the man created, wreaked havoc on all of those things that were going on at the moment, the corruption that people were seeing and all those sort of different things. Oh. This guy, I'll give you a list of a few of the things he did. He created the Food and Drug Administration. Oh. Uh, because there was uh, there were all these different meat packing plants that were super dirty and unsanitary. People were dying of foodborne illnesses. He was the guy who created the administration that cleaned those up and turned those Dang. into the sanitized places we have today. I did not know that. Yes, he also created the national park system. Awesome. Yeah, so he's the guy who who thank who, you, Theodore. I know paved the way for Yellowstone National Park. He paved the way for Grand Canyon National Park. Big huge hunter, but also a yes. big huge conservationist. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, really cool. Um, He busted up the railroad trusts and the steel trusts of Andrew Carnegie and Rockefeller. Mm -hmm. I went after those guys to make sure they didn't have monopolies. And he also started the Panama Canal. Dang, he's an accomplished man. (laughs) No, I know this guy did a ton. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That's why he won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1906. And he was known as a rugged, tough guy. And he is also the, we're going to talk about a quote that he had that was a little bit longer, but one of his famous quotes is, of course, speak softly and carry a big stick. Mm. That is not the quote we're talking about today. We're talking about the man in the arena, which we will read in just a sec. But why don't you talk a little bit about how we even got to the man in arena? What what, what was he doing and, and, and when did it actually happen? So I, this happened actually after his presidency. So mm. in 1910, Theodore Roosevelt gave what would be his most widely quoted speeches of his career. So he was the former president, and he left his office in 1909. He spent a year hunting in Central Africa before embarking on a tour in North Africa and Europe in 1910. And he attended events all over the world um, giving these speeches. So this speech was actually formerly known as Citizenship in a Republic, Mm. which among some would have been known as the man in the arena. Mm. So, I like the man in the arena way better than citizenship in a republic. Yeah. That sounds boring. Yeah. Like stereo instructions. Right. So this was after his presidency, but it's been um, historically known, you know, ever since because it was that powerful. Mm. Um, he, you know, rallied against these cynics who looked down at the men who were trying to make the world a better place. Mm. The poorest way to face life is to face it with sneer, he said. Oh, wow. A cynical habit of thought and speech, a readiness to criticize work which the critic himself has never tried to perform. Wow. That's that's awesome. Isn't that huge? That's really cool. Like, that's really like cool. Like, you don't really get a say if you've yeah. never performed the work. Yeah. What are you talking about? That's right. I just like it that, you know, 
he was really standing up for what he believed in yeah. and people appreciated it. Yeah. Clearly we're still talking about it. That's so. pretty cool. That's <laughs> yeah. pretty cool. Oh, so man. let's read this speech. It's a, it's a, it's a lengthy one. It is not one of those quippy little like one liners. He's got no. a lot here. This it's is pretty... powerful folks though. So yeah. I'm making Philip read this because he's much better <laughs> spoken than I am. Oh so. my gosh. All right, here we go. <clears throat> it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred with dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions? He who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. I love it. That's really awesome. Wow. That is an, that is a powerful speech and like an admonishment of the mm-hmm. peanut gallery for sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> so here's the thing, though. This is what we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Like, it is an awesome quote. It is. Very inspirational. Gave me kind of like, um, I was ready to like go out and do something mm-hmm. as I was reading through this uh, over the weekend. But I think the question that some people might have is how this relates to, um, you know, you, you personally, but then also people who are going through uh, loss and who are trying to find something or build something out of that loss. Yeah. Um, and what is it that connect, that made you so connected to this speech? Why did you why did you find it so like personal yeah. for your experience? I think like the main sentence in this whole paragraph was. His face is marred by dust and sweat and blood. Mm. And I know that's like just very descriptive, but it's like, yeah, like I'm a visual person. So I think after you lose a child, you do feel like you are just beaten down and you are covered with the dust and the blood and the mud. And like you're in the arena and there's nobody there with you. You're facing this grief by yourself. But guess what? You also feel completely judged and criticized by how you're handling your grief. And, you know, I've talked about it in the past, how you feel very exposed or how I felt very exposed. Mm -hmm. Um, That like I was being analyzed, whether I was having a great day, I was getting judged for, you know, geez, she's not grieving properly. She's just so joyful out drinking, you know, cocktails with her friends on a Saturday. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, if I was at home having a really bad week and like isolating myself, I was getting criticized that I wasn't out enough, you know, get back out there and live your life. And so I think why this hit home for me is because you do feel a lot of judgment and criticism after you lose a child because, you know, I think everybody wants to find a solution and help you and, and, and fix it. Or, or maybe they don't, they just want to sit back and analyze. But really, if you're up in the stands, just watching that arena, what really hit home is like, you don't get a say. Yeah. The people that are in the arena with you, those people that are there without judgment to hold your hand and they're in the arena with blood and sweat on their face and their hands with you. Yeah. Whether they may not know exactly what you're going through, but they're there just silently supporting you, Mm -hmm. they get a say. Yeah. Yeah. They have a voice in your grief. Yeah. Nobody else's opinions matter. Yeah. And it took me a long time to actually believe that myself because, Mm -hmm. you know, I think you're so broken. Well, you're not, you're, that's not even a think that is, you are broken. You are such a, you know, weak individual after you lose a child. 
And I don't mean that to be mean, but like there's nothing you just feel so defeated and depleted in every aspect. You yeah, are yeah, weak. you're fatigued almost. Yeah, I mean, you're so focused on just getting up for the day that there's not a lot of strength that you can put into anything else other than just surviving. Yeah. Um, but when you get those people that are, you know, constantly watching every move that you make, yeah. and you take that to heart because you're vulnerable and you, um, you know, maybe don't know how to, to handle it. But really when I, when I heard this and when I read this, I was like, man, it took me a long time to realize that those people that are outside of the arena, yeah. their, their opinions don't really matter. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's those people that like are there with you to support you and like hold your hand and be in the blood and the sweat and the tears. Yeah. And that is so relatable to me because I do feel like you're really living a daily battle after you lose a child. Yeah. You're so consumed in your grief that, um, man, this just like hit home. I was like, this is exactly right. Like those critics that want to sit there and tell you what you're doing wrong or tell you how you're not grieving properly. Right. Well, have you lost a child? Yeah. Have you came and held my hand when I was crying all night long? Yeah. Have you, um, you know, lowered a casket into the ground? I mean, you tell me. And if they can't, their opinions just simply don't matter. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you, Theodore Roosevelt, for like pointing that out with this amazing quote, because um, this is real life, people. And when you lose a child, it is your mere survival. And like those people that are there to like rally around you and be your support system, they're in the arena with you. Mm -hmm. Those critics that are like up in the sidelines and the bleachers just watching, observing. Yeah. With the negativity and the cynicism, right. is it cynicism? Yeah, I'm, I got to tell you though, I'm really surprised that there it, that there are that many people who who are doing that. So, did you feel like there was a lot of them around? Did you feel pretty overwhelmed by that? I, I did for a lot of years. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's human nature, honestly, for people to, like I said, want to fix it or want to help somebody, but also to sit and make judgments. Yeah. And whether it's coming from a good place and good intentions or a bad place and bad intentions, you know, it could be coming from family members. It could be just coming from your small town critics. It could be coming from anywhere, but you are surrounded by it. And um, I think I might've been more sensitive to it than other situations just because we are in such a small little community. Um, But yeah, I think that's real because whether we have social media now too. I know, which is so, tough. And you and you and yours was yours was also public. You were on the news. I think when right? you lose a child, most situations are going to be pretty widely broadcasted yeah. with social media because there's GoFundMe accounts going around. There's, yeah. you know, you're sharing the stories, um, trying to raise awareness and trying to raise funding or whatever it may be. So those are the people with good intentions. But let me tell you when you're a mom that just lost your baby and you're reading through those comments of what people have to say, yeah, it's a really dark place. That's crazy, by the way. I cannot believe that that is a thing. Yeah. But social media, that boy, they, they like, and, and, the, and the interesting thing about it too is that like, it seems like you would get, you could possibly get 20 comments that were heartfelt and supportive. Mm-hmm. Oh, and of And then course. it's the one person who like snipes at you that just mm-hmm. takes down those other 20. And you focus on that one. Right. Did you find that a lot too? Yeah. I mean, I, I think for the most part, people really are supportive, you yeah. know, and they can't understand or relate what it's like to lose a child. Mm-hmm. But 
I think the majority of people have goodness in their hearts and want to help in some way. But yeah, there is always somebody in the group or a handful in the group that has um, a twist of the story or some way to manipulate it to look like um, who's to blame. So let's point fingers and let's criticize. And, you know, you must be an unfit parent if if you weren't, you know, just really mean things. And it wasn't even to me. It was to me, to my family, to my friend that was involved in the accident. I mean, there was people pointing fingers left and right. Mm -hmm. And I got to a place where I finally just stopped reading comments on social media and stuff because it was so hurtful. But, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, six years later, I've, I've really been able to accept this, that those people's opinions don't matter. And I don't even care anymore. Like that's a weakness on their point. And, um, I feel sad for them. Yeah, totally. If they want to sit and criticize somebody when they have no idea what their arena is like. So, um, it was it. So the, one of the questions I have for you is Mm -hmm. then you started nonprofit, which is super public. Mm -hmm. Uh, was there ever any time where there were people who were like, uh, well, I don't think you should do it this way, or this is not how you should honor Rowan, or, or even the method you were you were doing it. You know how was there ever any sort of like arrows being arrows being slinged even in that time? One hundred percent. Oh, really? Yep. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, again, I will say, majority of people are always so supportive. Obviously. Um, but yeah, there's always you can't make everybody happy. No. I've learned that in life too. You can't make everybody happy. So, and I'm by nature a people pleaser. Mm -hmm. You know, I want everybody to be happy and I want everybody to be proud of me. So I like take it really personal when like somebody in my family or somebody close to me is not like approving of what I'm doing. Sure. And there, there was some people that were very close to me that didn't necessarily approve of everything. Oh, wow. And that was, that was a trying time for me. Um, and I did a lot of soul searching and I really honestly have always just done the best that I could with, um, what I thought God was putting out for me. Like what was my sole purpose and how can I honor Rowan and help other people? And I've always just tried to do the best that I could with the tools that I had at that time Mm -hmm. and what I was learning because it's a learning process. You know, Mm -hmm. we're, we're always growing every day. And I think after you lose a child, you're starting over. You're yep. like, you know, I've talked about this before. I felt like a newborn trying yeah, to walk again. Right. I mean, totally. Let alone try to like run a nonprofit. I, right. I didn't know what I was doing at any aspect, yeah. but I felt so led. Um, I really just felt led that every day I just had work laid out in front of me. It was yeah. a really amazing to go through that because it's been a, a huge growing life experience for me. One of the coolest things about this quote is it's almost like a, a out loud realization. Mm-hmm. Almost it feels like Teddy Roosevelt's literally telling people like, um, once you get to this point right. where uh, their opinions don't count and, 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 and they aren't doing the work on the ground like you are mm-hmm. and you will make mistakes and you will fail and you will fall. Yeah. Uh, but it is those people, it is those people who are falling with you right? that you can, that you can trust and that are there for you. It's those who say on the outside, well, if they, yeah, if they hadn't have done that or that, mm-hmm. they wouldn't have fallen in the first place, blah, 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 blah. So one of the things about this, about this whole quote is that it does feel like he's giving, he's giving you the realization that you can, um, pick yourself up. It is your mm-hmm. life. And the pe- you can have the people around you that you want around you, and the others you can you can you can cast off or let go or or, or or you know do what you have to do. 
when did that realization happen for you? At what point did you start to kind of feel this where you were like, well, you know what? That person wasn't, that person doesn't understand. So if they don't understand that I can't, I can't have that in my mm-hmm. life all the time. I can't have that negativity. At what point did you find that? You know, uh, man, I don't really know how to explain that. There's been, you know, multiple times throughout my grieving process mm. that there's been. So not just one time, like multiple times. You yeah. I mean, th- and I think they're different scales, you know, there's, certain things that are on small scales that you don't even have to publicly say like, oh, your opinion doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, it's just yeah. me mentally telling myself, okay, it doesn't matter. I'm moving forward. And, you know, you can... Doing a little Taylor Swift, shaking it off. Shaking it off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it really, some closer relationships really did hurt when you didn't right. necessarily feel that approval yeah. um, or agreeance with how you're grieving or how things are moving forward. And that was more challenging for me. And it's, I mean, I think I'm still finally just now able to feel 100% this way and be confident in myself. Right. Because I didn't really have my confidence built up enough and the courage um, and been healed enough Mm -hmm. to, I guess, out loudly say this or feel this way yeah previous to now right so i would say within the last you know year i've really grown wow and um but those first five years you know you're very you're weak i was i was very broken and i think you can be criticized but also maybe not um strong enough to defend yourself yeah or um confident enough in yourself that maybe you're maybe you are wrong or maybe you aren't doing it right and you know second guessing your grieving or how you're doing things day to day and I think it took me a long time to build up the confidence in myself that like no I I'm doing the best I can and this is what I am offering full-heartedly to serve others and I may mis- make mistakes along the way but I know wholeheartedly that I'm doing it with pure intentions and um I think as long as I'm making Rowan proud and that makes me proud. Yeah. So um, that's kind of what I ask myself is, you know, like, do I think that I'm making Rowan proud? And, and I really do think that she would be. So then I just, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. You know, like we're doing the best we can here. Right. And I think as any grieving parent, no matter what you're doing on a day to day basis, like, you are doing the best you can right. and like put your best foot forward, whether it be a really small step or mm-hmm. a really large step. Yeah. And don't worry about like the critics that are not in your arena. Yeah. And, and, almost, and the cool thing about this too, is it literally tells you, you will fail. You will, you oh, will everybody does. have a tougher day. Yeah. Like we right? all, we all make mistakes. We're human. And yeah. I look at those mistakes now as, They've taught me lessons right, each time, right. like big life lessons. Yeah. So I think in six years after losing Rowan, I've learned so many life lessons more than I had in the however old I am. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> we, yeah. We don't say that number out loud. That's but, correct. But really, like <laughs> all the life lessons like added up mm-hmm. in my whole entire life were nothing compared to the last six years Incredible. of life lessons that you learn um, of just reliving a new life with the loss of a child and navigating through that and trying to keep healthy relationships and, um, trying to nourish your mental health and, um, help others around you and connecting with other families that have experienced the same loss. And, you know, those are the people in your arena and that's been, that's what's gotten me so far though, too, with my healing is connecting with other families that 
you know, have shared the same loss and being able to share my experiences with others because like we've talked about, you're not crazy, Yeah, you know, all these things because you do, you feel like you're in the arena and everybody's just watching and throwing out like, you know, all these things that you get self doubt from and that visualization is really is so interesting too because you do feel like you are literally standing alone in an arena mm-hmm. of thousands of people with one spotlight on you. Oh, totally. You know, yeah. That, Even just going to the grocery store, that's how I felt. Yeah. In yeah. the beginning, you know, right. when you're just like, oh my gosh, you just, I was so, um, I didn't want to go anywhere in public. I just felt so, I guess, embarrassed and, mm. um, humiliated and people, you know, just don't understand. And I didn't know if I was going to break down in tears in the store. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I think you feel like the man in the arena with thousands of people watching you all the time. All having an opinion. Yes. Right. And the other thing that I, that, that immediately stood out to me when I read this was this is the reason why parents, angel parents, angel mothers and fathers identify better with other angel mothers and fathers because there is this sort of we're going through this right now together. Mm -hmm. It's like an unspoken bond. Yeah. Um, So I think so. I mean, I can sit and chat with you all day, Phil, about the loss of a child. And I know that you're so compassionate and you, you try the best you can to understand. Mm -hmm. But when I sit down like with another mother or father that just, you know, has lost a child, it's like, we don't even have to say anything. I can just sit down and we can be quiet. And I literally can just see in their eyes, like, I know, I know how you feel. Like it just, and I think it's so, it's such a powerful connection. You know, you don't even have to say anything. Mm -hmm. Like I just, I know that pain. I know that look in their eye. Um, And I think just sitting down for coffee is simply enough without being said of like, I'm here and I understand. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. That's so interesting. Mm -hmm. Now this points to, Things we're going to do in the future. The next, the next uh, podcast or two, we're going to talk about uh, summoning up the courage, right? Yeah. Um, uh, to to be able to keep moving forward. Talk a little bit about um, these next couple of podcasts because this really is sort of an intro into that idea of being able to be strong when you don't necessarily feel it that way. Yeah, I think we should, you know, for the rest of the month, really talk about courage building and not only like learning to be brave and get your courage back to just live life again, but the tools that you can utilize to like get there and um, definitely picking courage over comfort Mm -hmm. because I think when you're the man in the arena, it's, it's really tempting to just stick with what's comfortable (laughs) and with what we know and what, what's the easy route. But um, we've got to build that courage back up because courage is what's making moves out there. Like the major moves. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Oh, that's cool. Leading with vulnerability you know, we we definitely have to be vulnerable to also make headway. Mm-hmm. Because if you're not leading with your whole open heart and being vulnerable, you just have a wall up. And you're not healing with the wall up. Yeah. I've learned that the hard way. <laughs> um, so I think being vulnerable is a huge asset when yeah. you're grieving. Um, and leaning into those different difficult conversations that maybe we don't want to have with our loved ones that mm-hmm. maybe are being our critics. But... Um, you know, what's our new protocol to yeah. go about life after you've lost a child? Like you really do have to almost develop a new protocol with how you handle situations, yeah. handle your daily life. And um, I think there's a lot to talk about really stemming from the man in the arena. Okay. 
This is good. This yeah. is a solid intro, especially leading into a part of the year, the holiday season, mm -hmm. where there are lots of milestones and reminders of your angel and experiences you had and how you're already weakened by by those sort of... And when we say weak, it's like you said, we're not talking about weakened like you're a lesser person. We're talking right. about like... You feel weak. You, you physically feel, feel weak. Right. Uh, At least that's how I felt. Yeah. I woke up every day like just you feel like you can hardly take a step out of it. Right, right. So like this is the perfect time to talk about these things, to, mm -hmm. to, to where, where you go um, from here and, and during, this, during this season, like building the, building the muscles and building the courage to keep, to keep moving forward. There, every single time we have guests on who have created these amazing projects or are mm -hmm. diving into something, um, on the face of it, some of them seem like bananas where you're like, wow, that's crazy. How could you ever accomplish that? Yeah. Uh, but it is like they found this spot that they got to where like, oh, they're not even worried about that. They don't even have a doubt about that. Same here with you and, and Race for Rowan. There's no more doubt that this was the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. You know, like the, the when they, when you see people get into that mindset, it's really it's neat. It's it's really it is. cool. It's, it's powerful. Really cool. It's very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm definitely excited to have our upcoming guest come on. I don't want to spill the beans yet, but okay. uh, she will be with us next week. Okay. And um, she has lost somebody very close to her, not a child, but I uh, learned a lot through her grief even prior to me losing Rowan. Yeah. And um, she's been by my side and in my arena ever since. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, I'm excited for her to share some of her tools with our listeners because she's taught me so much along the way. And she's really encouraged me to, you know, get my confidence back up and, and courage build and yeah. all those things that we're going to talk about. Yeah. And she's, she's inspirational for sure. Very cool. So that is going to be happening over the next, over the next couple of weeks. We're really mm -hmm. excited to talk about these inspirational, moving forward, powerful things, give, give you a little bit of strength. Very excited to talk about that. I was personally excited to talk about Teddy Roosevelt. I'm a huge history nerd, just, so it was great. Yeah. Uh, I great... never knew Teddy was so cool. Now yeah. I really like him a lot. <laughs> yeah. Heck of a guy. Heck of a mm -hmm. guy. Amazing speech. What we're gonna do is we'll post that with with this with this particular uh, with this particular episode, so you'll be able to, to to download it. But if you have an opportunity, Google it. Google Man in the Arena. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It is cool. It's pretty amazing. So yeah, watch out for that for that over the next couple of weeks. Uh, we really hope you keep tuning in. Uh, happy November to everybody. Get ready for the rain. Get your umbrellas ready. That's unfortunate, but everything else is gonna be is gonna be great. And we really appreciate you tuning in. Make sure you also hop on Facebook this Saturday, November 7th at 6 p.m. We're doing our wine night. It's one of our last major things of the year. We've got eight new wines for you guys. Eight new wines. And I can tell you, I've been sampling, and they are good. <laughs> <laughs> and after today's election, we all need a drink. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so you'll be able so you'll be able to purchase those exclusively on Saturday. No other time will you be able to do that. Yeah. So that is awesome. And then we'll have a couple like little things as we as we close out the year, but we're really looking forward to um, to giving you this content and seeing you uh, hop on Facebook on Saturday. So thanks everybody to listen to tuning in and we will talk to you next week. Mm -hmm.